We'll turn this morning to the Word of God and to Matthew's Gospel, to the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 7. Matthew's Gospel in chapter 7, as we have worked through uh, this Sermon on the Mount, we come to the 13th verse, but we will just read a few verses before and a few after, so we'll read from verse 7. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 7. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you, whom if his son ask bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? Therefore all things, whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the great gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns? Or figs of thistles? Even so every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire, wherefore by their fruits ye shall know them. Amen. We thank the Lord for this reading of his word. Let's bow our heads for a moment's prayer. Now, Father, we ask for an open heart and an open mind that we might receive the word this day. We pray, Lord, that as we think upon it, analyze it in our own minds, as we apply these things to our own lives and to the society in which we live in these days, we pray, Father, that thou wilt give us uh, that uh, wisdom which we so desperately need in these days. And thou hast said unto us, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Who giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, but let him ask in faith. And so, Father, we come. We pray that thou wast give us wisdom to stand in this wicked day. And, Lord, we pray that we might see the path which is lit by the Lord, and that we might walk it, and that though it be narrow, that we might rejoice in it also. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I want to think about these words then from verse 13 and 14, particularly, of course, the actual exhortation here at the beginning of these words, enter ye in at the straight gate. This is a, a, a command that is a, it's an encouragement. Uh, it is a, an instruction to us, enter ye in at the straight gate. Perhaps there is a reference here uh, immediately to the Lord Jesus Christ because he speaks of himself as the door uh, of the sheep he is the gate which is evidently there right before them and yet he says that there are few that find it 
That's a, a strange thing that the Lord should stand in the very midst of them. And it speaks somewhat to the confusion which surrounds us that we could be in the very presence of God and yet not see him and not understand where he is. There is here to be seen, first of all, the metaphor of the straight gate, uh, the narrow gate, uh, and, and of the wide gate also. And then there is the message which the Lord uh, seeks to convey, both to those who sat around him and indeed more widely to all of us. And then finally, I want to just draw our attention to the movement uh, which is set before us. And uh, we will consider that for a, a brief moment at the end. First of all, then, the metaphor. Well, the metaphor, of course, is this, this picture. And if we can picture it. And, and so often the Lord Jesus, as he spoke to the people, set a picture before them. And it would be a picture which they would recognize. It would be a picture of a city and the main thoroughfare would go into the city and there would be a wide gate. Uh, it would be the place where the carts would go in. It would be the place where the animals would go in. Uh, the donkeys with their loads and the people and the merchants would go in and out through that wide gate. And then uh, perhaps next to that gate, when the city was closed up for the night, that big gate would be closed, but there would still be an entryway and it would be a narrow way uh, for the people to go in. Now, if we see it in that kind of a way, then we might say with uh, someone who suggested that we're all going to the same place in the end anyway, that as you go through either of those gates, you come to the same thoroughfare. But the Lord guards against that very thought by saying that not only is there a wide gate and a narrow gate, but there is also a wide way and a narrow way. So there is something which is slightly different here. So the gate which is narrow doesn't seem to be the gate which is next to that great gate uh, where all of the merchants go in. But it seems to be another door which is somewhere placed in the wall, a small door which we might so easily miss as we go down the thoroughfare. And as we're in the midst of a crowd, perhaps, and as many are sweeping into this place, and we've seen great crowds just recently, haven't we, in the, in the carnival, and uh, it's been in the newspapers, are being crushed, and, and how that danger, that, that danger arises and we know that people have died in, in other places uh, where there has been a big crush of people and perhaps someone's fallen and people can't stop. It's not that they trample people on purpose, but they can't stop because the crowd behind them push them forward. We can be so easily caught up in a crowd which goes through that great gate and we just think, well, that must be the way. It can also be this, that it, we seem to, uh, it seems to be the right way because that's the way everybody's going. If you arrived to something and you, you thought to yourself, well, I'm going to go to uh, perhaps a, a concert or to a football match and you arrive there and you don't really know where the place is, then you might uh, follow the crowd. Uh, and so, so often we would look that way. I remember sometimes we would get caught in a traffic jam in London and then you would see people turning off and lots of people are turning off down one of these side roads and thinking to myself, well, they must be going somewhere and it must be better than sitting in this traffic jam, so I'll follow them. And we, we can go off and, uh, well, sometimes you can get lost because they know exactly where you're going and it's not where you're going. But uh, nevertheless, sometimes we just follow because other people are going that way. And Jesus really is speaking of that similar situation. Wide is the gate, broad is the way, but where does it lead? It leads to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat. And we can follow the crowd and just walk the way that everybody else walks. 
There's an entrance then. There is a main gate. There is a side gate. But it's not the same path. One is on to the main thoroughfare. But the Lord said it leads to destruction. The other is on to a narrow way. It's restrictive. When we think about that restrictiveness, what does it mean, the, uh, the narrow way? Why, why is the Lord speaking specific, specifically of this, of this straight or narrow way? I've explained before, it's where we get our word straight jacket. Uh, it's the same spelling of the word straight. It means narrow, it means tight. It is hard to get through. And we might perhaps draw a, a picture from that also that maybe it's difficult to get through this gate. The Lord Jesus in another place talks about going the camel going through the eye of a needle and how difficult that is. And perhaps what we are seeing here is the, is the necessity to get rid of everything else, everything that we're carrying, that we might go through this, this narrow gate, that we might put away our pride, that we might put away our, our lusts, that we might put away all that we think that will uh, make us acceptable to God and trusting Christ only as a narrow way that we go in. But then we see this avenue, this, this great way, this broad path. And really the picture in my mind is that here is the gate and people are going in through the gate, but really the broad way is a continuation and so often it is, of course, we might go into a park in London and you're just driving along the road and then you will see the two great pillars and maybe gates which are open and you sweep in through those gates. But it's just a continuation of the way. You're not going to a different path with just driving down the road. You may not even realize you've gone into a park because there's nothing particularly to mark it. And this is the way. This is the broad way. It is a continuation it is just going on with the crowd. It is just walking with the rest of the world. But when we think of the Broadway as a place without restriction, is a, a, a place which is chaotic. You can go anywhere in the Broadway. You can go to either side. You can walk down the middle. You can wander about. You can do anything you like. And from a moral pers- a perspective, if we're considering this Broadway, it is a place of chaotic morality and ethics. A place where truth is relative. A place so much like the days in which we live. Uh, what is your truth? Sometimes people will say. We were just watching a, a short video yesterday uh, as we met together uh, yesterday, some of us on a Saturday morning, and how someone was asked the question, uh, what is a woman? And they couldn't answer that question and they kept moving from side to side and say, why do you ask that question? And, and uh, what is your truth? And, and truth is relative. And he just kept to the point. Well, truth, truth is not relative. Truth is just a fact. Truth is a fact. Truth is there. Truth is something which doesn't change. Truth is, is reality. Uh, and we, we perceive the same realities. But we are in this situation now where we're in the broad way. The way is so broad. Anything can go. Anything can be said. You can be what you like. You can say what you like. And as long as you uh, don't uh, interfere with anybody else, anything goes. And we can get entangled in the crowd. In Exodus 23 and verse 2, the Lord says, Thou shalt not follow a multitude to do evil. Neither shalt thou speak in a cause to decline after many to rest judgment. Don't just go the way because that's the way everybody's going. Don't turn to evil because everybody says that's fine. There is a right. 
There is a holiness. There is a way which the Lord has defined. And the world considers it to be a narrow way. But the Lord says, seek out that narrow way. Strive, he says, to enter in. Enter ye in at the straight gate, because straight is the, na- na- the, is the, is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life. In another place in Luke, it says, strive to enter in. Strive to enter in. Work at it. Think about it. Keep your wits about you. Don't walk past it. In Ephesians 2 and verse 2, the Apostle Paul writes, Wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. See, we walked that path. It was that wide path. It's the the way of all the world. And we just walk with it because, well, that's what we do. But there comes a time when perhaps the Lord uh, awakens us, such as at this time, and says to us, enter ye in at the straight gate. You, You should be looking for that straight gate. Don't bypass it. Don't just walk past it. Don't just ignore it. Be watching for it. There is an inveiglement of confusion. Inveiglement means a, 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 a twisting of things. It means to try to confuse people. There was an interesting quote once from a, a man who perhaps you've heard of. His name was Darren Brown. Still is Darren Brown as far as I know. Uh, but he said this, and he's a, a mentalist. Uh, a mentalist is someone who can... Uh, make suggestions, tell you what you're thinking, uh, do all kinds of different uh, tricks and card tricks, sometimes hypnotism and those kinds of things, play with people's minds. And he said this, the more bewildered we are, the more suggestible we become. It's a classic hypnotic technique to induce confusion, then give a direct suggestion that someone is more likely to follow because it's a relief. He says, so politicians will give you a whole load of statistics and things you can't quite follow, then say, therefore, we must do do this. And you believe it a lot more because you've just heard of all this stuff you haven't quite followed. And isn't that the technique which is used all of the time these days? There's so much confusion around us when somebody says, well, this is the right thing to do. People just say, well, it must be the right thing to do. I don't really understand it, but I'm being told it's the right thing to do. And we hear this a lot, of course, in politics in these days. Those very words come up over and over again. It's the right thing to do. But is it the right thing to do? Or is it just being said that it's the right thing to do? This is this confusion. This is this inveiglement of confusion. This is to to get our minds in such a turmoil that we're not quite sure where we're going. We're just mixed up with the crowd. We're walking this wide road. We're going through this wide gate. We're going to destruction. And the Lord says, no, stop. Stop. There's a narrow gate. Watch for it. Strive to enter in at it. Enter ye in at the straight gate. Because... Wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction and many there be which go in thereat because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life and few there be that find it. We read together from 2 Corinthians in chapter 4 
And in verse 4, we read these words. You may not notice them at the time, but this is what Paul writes. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. The Lord, here in verse 15, in this chapter before us, Matthew 7, says in verse 15, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. You see, there's a confusion. And in the midst of the confusion, any clear teaching, any clear thing which is given to us, even by those who seek to lead us astray, is accepted just because we're so confused. God is not the author of confusion. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, God is not the author of confusion. God is the, is the author of order. We look at all of the creation of God and we see the beautiful order that surrounds us. The order which makes us what we are. The order of, of creation itself. The order of the ecology of this planet. Everything that God has done, the laws which he gives to us, the instructions which he gives to us, the scriptures which we might logically read and understand, there is order to it all. And the more you study the scriptures, the more you look into the scriptures and compare scripture and scripture, you find more and more order. And you find even those things which were confusing, eventually as we read and as we think and as we can contemplate and as we compare scripture, even those things begin to come into a position where we realize that they are a part of the order of God. But the devil sows confusion that any suggestion will be accepted. And we're in such days where any suggestion is accepted. And we see in these days where a man can be a woman a woman can be a man and even though there are those who are are saying the question well uh, is that true that's not true surely we have the the dna which makes us a woman or a man and that's sort of brought into some kind of a confusion so that well no we're not talking about sex here we're talking about gender well, gender is a, a word which actually applies to language. It applies to uh, the languages of the world, where there is a masculine, and the feminine, and the neuter. There is uh, different parts of words, words which apply in particular places. But there are only two sexes. And yet so much is the confusion now that, that people are beginning to see that, now this can't be right, but why is it not right? Well, it can be pinned down, of course, but not if you don't accept truth. Not if everything is in turmoil. And so the Lord says we are to seek out that narrow gate. And there is around us this enveloping oh, cacophony of noise. And particularly in these days where we have um, social media and people can say whatever they like. And, and we, we've just seen recently two young boys who've died because they've tried out some thing which they saw on TikTok. 
Uh, one of them uh, survived long enough to be in hospital and there were great um, legal wranglings over whether to turn off his life support and then just in the paper this, this last week another boy had tried the same thing and he was found and he was found too late and he was dead there's a confusion and the devil loves to have it so he loves to have it so there's a confusion about history. There's a confusion about life. There's a confusion, confusion about sexuality. There's, a, there's confusion everywhere. And young people are left in this, this great confusion where, where we need to see straight lines, where we need to see where the boundaries are. And we don't know. It's like playing football in a, in a huge, great open field. That doesn't have any sidelines where there's there's nowhere to throw in the ball to where there's no goal and everybody's just running around chasing the ball and they don't know where they're going and they don't know why they're going there we can end up just anywhere the lord says enter in at the straight gate enter in at the narrow gate and then we see this narrow way is contrast it's a way of rationality it's a way of logic it's a way of clear thinking. It is concrete things. Of course, the problem that we have, perhaps, is that we have something concrete. It's very easy to attack it. And so those of the confused era will take the scriptures and they will attack this and they will attack that, but they will attack it in a confused way. They will seek to bring it into confusion, where it's very difficult for us to attack that which is confused, because where, where do you aim your attack? The psalmist says, if the foundations be destroyed, what shall the righteous do? Uh, And the devil knows well, attack the foundations. Attack God. Is there a God? Attack the scriptures. Can we trust the scriptures? Attack certain things and we we will overcome. The Lord says that we are to trust in him. Seek out that narrow way. Seek out that straight gate. For it leads to life. And there be few that find it. But there is a destination spoken of here. Wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. Interestingly, the word destruction is the word apoleia in Greek. It's the same basic word as the word apollyon, uh, which we come across in the, in, the, uh, uh, in the book of Revelation. Apollyon, the devil. He is uh, the lord of destruction breaks things apart destroys things destroys families destroys society destroys nations destroys the understandings breaks things apart and this is the way of destruction a way of destruction it leads to destruction it doesn't only just lead to destruction finally when we are cast away from God, but it, dis- it leads to destruction which we see around us in these days. It leads to the destruction of, of the very um, glue of society. It just breaks things apart. This is the broad way. It leads to destruction. Apoleia. A broad way that leads to destruction. A broad way of chaos. A broad way which has no defining sides. A broad way which everybody is heading for without a thought and without really any consideration that there's another way. But the Lord stops them here and he says, enter ye in at the straight gate. 
we come to consider the message of the Lord in the midst of this. Remember, this is the, the Sermon on the Mount that the Lord is speaking uh, to the Jews who are gathered around him in Israel. There will be Gentiles, no doubt, amongst the, the people who are there. But ultimately, and, and first and foremost, he is speaking to a Jewish nation, which are there. And what is the message? Well, his message is, first and foremost, that the old order is over. In Jeremiah, he tells us that he would make a new covenant with the people. And he is saying to the Jews there uh, that you need to be looking for the straight gate. Indeed, they were looking at the straight gate, even as they sat there. Don't just follow the crowd, but consider carefully. Look around you. Walk circumspectly. The new has come. Don't blindly follow the crowd. I was just reading something this morning, which I don't actually usually read, but I just happened to see this uh, today. And uh, it was something which happened in Israel, uh, apparently. And that was, or in fact, it was after the destruction of the temple. It says that during the reign of Titus in the first century, Rabbi Jochanan or Yochanan ben Zakkai, who saw the destruction of the second temple and established the academy of Javne, Yavne, I'm not quite sure how that pronounced, where much of rabbinic Judaism was formulated, taught that the expiation of sin was achieved through the exercise of benevolence, quoting Hosea 6.6, I desire mercy and not sacrifice thereby persuading the council to replace animal sacrifice with prayer. Uh, and uh, other things were brought in afterwards, uh, different ways that they might have uh, absolution from sin. Of course, God had told them, God had told them that they would come to an end of that old covenant of the sacrificial system. And now God had actually removed the temple, it had been destroyed, there was no sacrificial system. And yet this is foundational to the whole of Judaism. But even to this day, Jews don't do sacrifices. They put other things in their place. But of course, Christ Jesus was the sacrifice. The whole of the whole sacrificial system was pointing to him. He is the narrow gate. And he says to the people, enter in at the straight gate. The narrow way which leadeth unto life. Enter in. And to the Jew, to the Gentiles, well, he also says to us, don't just be swept along blindly as the world sweeps along. Look out for the straight gate, the little gate, so easy to miss and can be so difficult to get back to. There's a very real situation here. The Lord has a, a great crowd of people here around him as he preaches this sermon on the mount. They are there right at the very gate of heaven because salvation is through Jesus Christ. They are looking at the way of salvation in a way that none of us ever can until we stand in his presence at the great throne judgment of Christ. They are looking at the way of salvation. And Christ dies upon the cross of Calvary. And 40 years later, the temple is destroyed. And still there are people who don't recognize who he was. <coughs> the gospel has been preached for those 40 years. 
After Jesus died, the apostles go out and they preach to the Jews and they preach to the Samaritans and they preach to the Gentiles and they tell them, Jesus Christ, who is set before you by God, who died upon the cross, who is the Lamb of God, who died that you might have salvation, who replaces all of that which has gone past, all of the sacrificial system. It is he and yet still. Having seen him, having walked in his presence, they didn't see the straight gate. We are in the presence of the Lord here today, for he has promised this, that where two or three are gathered together in his name, there is he in the midst of them. We are in his presence today, but do you see him? Do you see him? Do you recognize this straight gate, this narrow gate, this narrow way? Or are you just going to be swept along by the world to destruction? Where even your understanding of of humanity is broken apart. Your understanding of reality is broken apart. Where you're not quite sure what anything means anymore. And we're certainly in such a situation in these days. Or do you see Christ? But we see Jesus. Made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death. Do you see Jesus? The straight gate, the narrow path. And we see then finally the movement, a movement. There is a stirring here. The Lord is saying, enter ye in, enter ye in. You need to be moving, you need to have a purpose. You need to be going somewhere, not just following the crowd. We're all moving, aren't we? We're, we're moving through life. We talk about uh, our, uh, the, the waypoints of life, our birthdays, which are uh, sort of waypoints of life. And we are heading forwards. And uh, as I'm getting older, I'm so, sort of thinking to myself, well, I don't think any different to the way I used to be. But I find that some of the stuff that I used to do, I can't do anymore. And even the, the, the purpose and the determination to do some things isn't there the way it was. And time goes on. We're all moving through life. We're all coming to the end of our days. But do we have a purpose? Are we looking? Are we walking in that straight gate, that narrow path? It has restrictions. Yes, it does. But restrictions are so necessary to us. We need to know where we're going. Not just wandering listlessly wherever to destruction. There is this stirring. The Lord says, awake, enter ye in. And we read in the scriptures that he says, I am the door. I am the way. I am the truth. Not your truth or their truth or some kind of a truth or whatever you accept as truth. But I am the truth. I am the door. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Enter in at the straight gate. Narrow is the way which leadeth unto life. And few there be that find it. And the seeking... The Sermon on the Mount sometimes seems to be a, a kind of a disjointed sermon. But actually, 
the more you think about it and the more that you consider how each part of it fits in with the other, as we have seen on a number of occasions already, we find that something has already been said concerning this, that this leads on to entering in at the straight gate. And it's in verse 7, we were considering this last Lord's Day. Ask and it shall be given you. Where is the straight gate? Well, ask the question. Where is the straight gate? Who is the straight gate? What is Christ speaking about here? Seek and ye shall find. If you're looking for the straight gate, you'll see it. If you're looking for it, you'll see it. But if you're just being swept along with the crowd, then you won't see it. It's narrow. It's very easy to miss. And you'll just carry on the path with everybody else to destruction. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. You seek out that straight gate and you knock, it will be opened unto you. It's prepared, it's there. The Lord says, enter in. You have the invitation. We have the seeking. And then, as we have said, also in Luke's gospel, it says, strive to enter in. Strive to enter in. The striving, and the striving, of course, is against the flow. It's very easy, isn't it, for all of us just to go with the flow very easy for us just to fit in with everybody else and, and never take a stand and, and never say, well, no, that's not right. Very easy for us just to, to go where everybody else is going. And, and the Lord knows that exactly. And he says, wide is the gate, broad is the way. It's an easy path. But the narrow way, the narrow gate, the narrow way, there are few that find it. They're not looking. They're swept up in the moment. They're swept up with their friends. They're swept up in society, which is confused and is not looking for anything in particular. But the Lord has given a warning here and the Lord has given an instruction and he gives it to you this morning. Enter in at the straight gate. The gate is Christ. The gate is there. The promise is that if you ask, you will, it will be given to you. Seek and ye shall find, knock and it shall be opened unto you, enter in, enter in.